So anyways, Pinocchio is transformed into a victim and he's offered this, he's offered this identity and he takes it, now it's partly because he's deceived and, and manipulated but it's also partly because the fox offers him the abandonment of responsibility as payment for as payment for adopting the victim identity so this is where his own lack of morality, let's say, because this is all about Pinocchio's development as a character plays a role in his demise so if I'm a victim then everyone else owes me something and I don't have to take any responsibility, and so one of the things I've wondered here's something to think about it might be that the sense of meaning that life can provide to you is proportionate to the amount of responsibility you decide to take on that would be very strange if it was the case, you know, because responsibility of course is a kind of weight, obviously and it's difficult to take on responsibility but if any positive emotion that you feel and your control of anxiety and the control over pain is dependent on the activation of these systems that watch you move towards a desired goal then the more complete and weighty the goal is the more kick there's going to be in the observation that you're moving towards it and uh, you know, you kind of already know this because you'll, you'll have observed in your own life that when you're engaged in something that you believe in that the time passes properly you know, you can see this even if you're maybe you're reading a paper and it's actually related in some intelligible manner to something that you want to learn so even though it's difficult, you get engaged in it, you can remember it better, you can process it better and you don't, you're not so likely to fall asleep and you're not so likely to want to find distractions, all of that, you can get into it and it would be very interesting if that was proportionate to the degree of responsibility that you're willing to shoulder and I, I think you can make a strong case for that I've also often wondered, imagine you could offer people a choice here's the choice, you could say, well your life isn't meaningful, the nihilists have got it right, there's no meaning in your life and because of that, there's no reason for you to accept any responsibility so, you can live a responsibility-free life, and maybe one of impulsive pleasure-seeking but a responsibility-free life, but the price you pay is that it doesn't get to be meaningful or you could say to someone, no, we're going to do the opposite, we're going to say, you can live a meaningful life but it's only going to be as meaningful as the amount of responsibility that you're willing to bear and then you might say, well, what would people choose? Because everybody also always makes noises about wanting to have a meaningful life. But if the price you pay for that is the adoption of responsibility, then it's not so obvious that people would choose meaning over, you know, over pointless pursuits if they had to, if the benefit they got for choosing the pointless pursuits was that they really didn't have to care about anything they ever did, right? It's no responsibility. And that's really what Pinocchio is offered. And that's what the coachman offers him, and that's interesting because, you know, so far it's been the fox and the, and the cat, and they're kind of two-bit hoods, and so the pathological pathway that they offer Pinocchio is not the worst of the pathological pathways, but here, at least as far as the imagination, the collective imagination that created this movie is concerned, is this is where you get to the most pathological form of, let's call it temptation, and that's the temptation to engage in to abandon responsibility and to engage in impulsive pleasure-seeking short-term pleasure-seeking so here's the fox pretending to be a doctor investigating um, Pinocchio's illness and he makes some notes which is all 
just meaningless scribble, right? It's like white noise. And it doesn't matter that the arguments that he's making is, are completely incoherent. And it doesn't matter that he actually doesn't know anything. He, what he's selling is easy to buy. And so Pinocchio buys it. And by the end of the conversation with the fox, he's pretty convinced that he's useless and that he needs a vacation. You know, this is an edible, an edible situation as well, which I touched on the other lecture. I mean, it's very, let's imagine that you have a child that is a little on the neurotic side, so high negative emotion, and maybe one that's also a little bit on the sickly side, so has a variety of let's say relatively minor ailments, but ailments nonetheless. And so what that means as a parent, we'll say mother for this example, because I want to use the Oedipal example, you have to make a decision all the time about exactly how you're going to treat that child. One decision is, well, I'm not going to, you don't have to go to school today because you're not feeling well. It's like, fair enough. But do you make the same decision the next day? And do you make the same decision the next day? And let's imagine that you enable the child to avoid responsibility as a consequence of capitalizing on their illness. Well, then that's not going to be very good for the child. The rule with a, a sickly child has to be something like, I'm going to push you right to your limit. Because otherwise, how is the person going to figure out what they can do? And if they can't figure out what they, they can do, then they're not going to be able to make their way in the world at all. And then that gets muddied very badly if you're not exactly sure that you want them to make their way in the world, you know. Maybe you're just as happy because you'd be sitting at home alone if your child was there with you. And maybe you'd be just as happy at some level if they never grew up at all. Because then they won't leave. And so, and maybe that's because you have a terrible marriage and you're lonesome, you know. Maybe it's an abusive marriage and your husband has chased away all your friends. And so you don't have anything at all. And maybe that's because you didn't stand up for yourself very well apart from the fact that he was, you know, tyrannical in his central nature. And so then, all those little warps and bends in your psyche are going to manifest themselves right, right in the background of every single one of those decisions. My daughter had a lot of illnesses when she was uh, adolescent, and they were very serious, and it was very difficult to figure out what to do about that, because you, you, you couldn't exactly apply normative rules, right? And, we always had to figure out if she was communicating her symptoms to us, how seriously to take those. And the answer was, the least amount of serious possible. It's something like that, because we needed to know, and she needed to know, what she could do in spite of the fact that she had problems. And one of the things I really tried to instill in her, and I think it worked, is that you don't ever want to use your illness as an excuse for not doing anything. Not consciously, you know, sometimes you might not know, I'm not feeling well, How, what can I do? Well, you don't know, right? Because sometimes when you're not feeling well, you can do more than you think, and sometimes you can do less than you think. It's not like it's obvious, but sometimes it's obvious, you know, this little temptation flits through your mind, and you think, well, I don't really want to do what I'm doing today, and I'm not feeling very well, so I don't have to do it. You do that a hundred times, then you don't know how sick you are anymore. And then you're, then you're in real trouble, because not only are you sick, but you actually have, you've muddied the waters. And so you have both problems then, is you're actually ill, and you've betrayed yourself by using that as an excuse not to pursue your responsibilities. 
And that, I think, if you do both of the, if those, both of those things happen to you at the same time, you're in real trouble. And it's really hard not to have that happen. So anyways, Pinocchio gets enticed into believing that he's a victim. The fact that he's insufficient is used as an excuse by the fox and the, and the cat to offer him a trip to Pleasure Island. And this is, I think, where the movie gets particularly dark. And so off they go, singing away. They have to carry him. So you could say, in some sense, he's carried by societal pathology and his own trouble. He's carried like a puppet off to Pleasure Island. 